Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul, my co-host Justin Baker, joining me via Skype as we dive in to part two of the Central Division preview as we jump into the Minnesota Wild, the Nashville Predators, the St. Louis Blues, and the Winnipeg Jets. If you missed part one, where we go through Chicago, Colorado, Dallas, uh, then you should probably go back and look at those. So, uh, wait, who else did we do in there? I feel like I'm missing somebody. Who am I missing? Uh, who am I missing? The Central Division? Oh, Arizona. <laughs> yeah. They're just so forgetful. <laughs> They're just so so forgetful that, you know, easy to forget about Arizona. I knew I knew there was someone else that we did in there. Um but yeah, you can check that out as well. We did the entire Pacific Division in a couple of parts, so you can go check that out. But on to start the show today, we're going to jump into the Minnesota Wild and you know, pretty recent news. We actually like this is good timing to do this show because Kaprizov, of course, gets done. They sign him to a what five year, nine million dollars a year deal. So uh, Kaprizov, a Minnesota Wild for quite some time to start it off. What do you think of the Kaprizov deal? Oh my! <laughs> I mean, first off, I'm going to say, don't get me wrong. I think the guy is. Very, very talented, and he's going to have a lot of success in this league. But with a sample size of only 55 games and to give a guy $9 million, I know the rumors were running that he was apparently going to get offered like $10 million in the KHL, which literally would have been a whole entire team salary cap over there. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> but, I, I mean, you know what? I, I would have been okay if they had done you know, a, a two- or three-year deal at this. Um, the only concern I have is obviously it kind of makes things a little bit more difficult for next year because uh, for those who aren't familiar, obviously Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter got bought out. The salary cap this year or the salary cap hit this year for both of those guys is only $2.3 million, but next year and the two years following, it's going to be $6.3 million and then some. So Right. Next year things- it looks like they've got, you know, just uh- – what, 16 million 16. in projected space, but that that is Goligoski is a UFA. They're going to have to re-sign Kevin Fiala. Victor Rask is gone. You know, I, I mean, as, as rough as it is with those salaries coming back in, I, it there's not a whole lot that they have to do. You know, they don't sure. have a whole lot of high-priced contracts to begin with, so... No, but the other concern is, right, so obviously Kevin Fiala is going to look at this deal and say, well, Kaprizov wasn't even a point-per-game player, and you know what? Hey, I was pretty much not not as close, but I was pretty close to his pace as far as production's concerned, and I'm still – I mean, the guy put up 20 goals last year, so he's going to be probably looking for somewhere north of 7, 7.5, yeah. I would assume. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, would, and, I would think that there's no way he gets less than 7. Especially yeah, because he's 25 years old. So I think that he's got one more year of RFA status and then he's he could be a UFA. So now you're going to buy UFA years. Right, exactly. So that might even cost you more money, right? And then you got to look at Jordan Greenway as well. He's still a very productive middle six guy for them. And at 24 years old, he's going to want, I, I would assume they're going to try to get a bridge deal done with him too. But yeah, I would think $4 million plus for a guy like that. So I mean, you look at those two contracts combined, and you're getting pretty close, you know, with signing, assuming they sign, you know, they'll have 
four defensemen on contract next year. So now you got to get a couple more guys signed, and I'm assuming they'll probably bring in another guy to ride out their top four. So that's going to push it to that $16 million easy. And then you look at the the goaltending position, and Capo Kakinen is going to need a new deal. Uh, yeah, and have you seen the deals that some goaltenders are getting, like Cal Peterson signing for $5 million bucks a year for the next three years? Right. I mean, that's goaltenders are, are uh, starting to get paid too. Uh, I think you're one... Your one like saving grace is going to be Ken Marco Rossi, who was their you know ninth overall pick last year. Uh, it's looking like he, you know, I would probably be disappointing if he doesn't make the team at least to get a little like the first nine games of the year, you know, before it, the that tenth game kicks in. That you know he makes this team and get, gets the opportunity. That that's going to be what they need. And if they can get Rossi at a decent production level on his ELC, I mean, that'll be massive for the Minnesota Wild and what they'll have moving forward. Uh, You know, if you have an impact player in your top six who's making $925,000 or $894,000, whatever, uh, then that's a a huge win. And that may be the case for the Minnesota Wild. So, you know, if that happens, that kind of makes up for maybe a Victor Rask leaving or uh, some of that big salary of Kirill Kaprizov, but nine million bucks in the end, if he can do again what he did over the course of eighty two games, you're you're not mad about nine million bucks. I mean, he was more than just it's more than the points for Kaprizov. I mean he came in and this team was changed. Do you disagree? Yeah, no, I'll I'll give you that. I think there was a new attitude. Uh it's almost like they became the um the the Vegas Golden Knights of the, you know, the mid north or, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Some I, different vibe about them that uh yeah. that all of a sudden it was like, okay, in the Minnesota Wild, like they're for real. Yeah, I enjoyed watching them and you know, I had my doubts going to this year and I completely agree with you. I think again if the production stays where it is, the nine million dollars is totally worth it. Um I just again I just have issues giving guys big money like this early in their career with a small sample size like he has. Now, the other concern I have for Minnesota is obviously their lack of a number one center. Um, you know, you again, you mentioned Marco Rossi's name, him coming off, you know, not having skated at all last year. Obviously, I don't think he's going to be in the position to fill that role now. Maybe a couple years down the road, yes. But uh, right now, Joel Erickson Eck looks like the guy that they're going to go to. And, you know, for me, I'm, I don't feel great about him being my number one. But, but then uh, again, Vegas' number one is Chandler Stevenson. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I think this team as a whole, I think they're good enough to compete in this division for sure. Yeah, uh, I mean, and you got to look. This team isn't necessarily built. They're they're not built with a ton of star forwards outside of, like, of course, Kaprizov Kaprizov comes out of nowhere and changes the fortunes of this franchise. But really, the, the place they were building from is the back end, right? Like Jared Spurgeon, Jonas Brodeen, Matt Dumba, You've got those three guys. They're locked up. And then they go and they pull in Alex Goligoski, Dmitry Kulikov, and to a lesser extent, a Jordy Ben. And, they're, you know, the, the back half of their back end kind of shored up a little bit. I mean, Alex Goligoski, not the same player that he was when Pittsburgh's winning the Stanley Cup by any means, but he is still a, someone who's going to put up 30-plus points in the regular season. And... You know he's he's a great guy to have on that second power play. He can play in the top four. You can you can move him down to that bottom pairing. And Dmitry Kulikov is just you know 
good depth, good bottom pairing guy. I, I like what they were able to do uh, from a free agent standpoint outside of Kaprizov re- re-signing, along with bringing in Frederick Goudreau, who had a really nice year for the Pittsburgh Penguins in limited minutes. I mean, 19 games, he had 10 points. And in the playoffs, he had three points in six games. So, you know, maybe Frederick Goudreau in his, you know, he's 28 years old now, uh, kind of hitting his stride a little bit after playing, having a lot of time in the AHL. I mean, this is a guy who consistently put up 40 plus points in the AHL and then get really given a, you know, he played 55 games in Nashville in 2018, 19, only had four points. Last year, he gets a decent opportunity with Pittsburgh and, and is able to produce a little bit. So we'll see if that deal, you know, him coming in and, and maybe playing in the bottom six for sure, if he can go and maybe put up 25, 30 points, that would be a, a big thing for them as well. And then, of course, you got to like them getting Nick Bukestad. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, he was there, he's there last year. Uh, here again, he put up 17 points. He's probably somebody who you could count on for close to 40 points. Uh, they they're getting it done from their in terms of their bottom six. Like there's there's no shortage of depth for this team, and I think that that's what I like most about them outside of a Kaprizov. I like Kaprizov the most. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, listen, if you know Goudreau, Bukestad getting in at you know a, a really cheap contract. And between those two guys and Victor Rask, I think they have plenty of depth down the center position as far as, you know, maybe your two, three, four, uh, assuming that they want to slot in Victor Rask, maybe at that number two spot behind Joel Erickson Eck. But uh, regardless, I think if you, you know, put any combination of these three guys in your bottom six at the center position, you're you're looking at it and you're saying, OK, we're going to do really well. Um, you know, I think they're, they're set there. And so, uh, again, you talk about the depth and really when it comes down to crunch time, when you're competing in the playoffs and going deep, having that depth down the middle there is going to be very, very valuable. Yeah. I guess now that Caprizov has been signed to me, the biggest question is, well, two, twofold, you know, you got to ask, was last year kind of a fluke? Like, did they, did they overperform? Did Caprizov overperform, which therefore, you know, the rest of the team overperform. Uh, and then you look at really the biggest loss of the offseason is losing Ryan Suter, which who they they chose to lose. They bought him out. You know, Ken is bringing in Alex Goligovsky, Kulikov, and Jordy Ben. You know, kind of almost like, yeah, we lost one guy, but we can bring in three. Uh, is that going to be enough to fill the minutes that he was able to go out there and play? I mean, he could still play 28 minutes a game, and now suddenly your uh, your decor is going to ha- that's going to have to be spread out amongst all six players. I mean, not... Not that you're worried about Dumba or Spurgeon, but you know, is that going to be enough? Because Ryan Suter was still an effective player. Yeah, I think obviously you're probably going to see a few more minutes out of their top three guys, and that top pairing of Spurgeon and Brodine is is definitely going to get you know close to 28 minutes a night. I would assume at this point, uh, you know, and obviously Dumba is going to get in there probably close to 23, 24 minutes a night as well. So. Between those three guys, I think I feel really confident going in if you're the Minnesota Wild saying, hey, we got a good good group of defenders here. And then again, when you look beyond that, Goligoski, if he still has something left in the tank, you know, obviously he's on a one-year deal. So he's he's looking to say, hey, I can still play. And, um, you know, if he can perform anywhere close to what he did last year, I think they'll be all right. All right. Uh, let's move on to the Nashville Predators, who uh, they, they made 
at least one big splash. I think that you could consider a big splash as they bring in Cody Glass from the uh, Vegas Golden Knights as they're kind of involved in that little three-way trade. And Cody Glass, I mean, there was a need for a talented forward, someone up front, a centerman who could come in and, and do something interesting here. And uh, I think that that is, you know, that's probably their biggest addition. I know they brought in, also brought in Philippe Myers, David Riddich, uh, but a lot of players headed out. I mean, Victor Arvidsson, Ryan Ellis, Pekka Rinne retires, Callie Arncroke, and Eric Howla all out for the Nashville Predators. And uh, yeah, this team is, for all intents and purposes, in my opinion, has begun some sort of a rebuild. Yeah, are are we are we in rebuild mode or are we in like a maybe we'll just like kind of see what happens here? What what's going on with the Predators from your standpoint? Yeah, I think if you're if you're David Poyle, you're not you're not saying the word rebuild, but I think slowly you're going to start bringing in maybe pieces and almost doing like a slow exchange, right? You're going to slowly you know get rid of a couple guys, bring in a couple new fresh faces so it doesn't look like a complete rebuild, but you're doing it slowly, right? Because uh you know, first I look at obviously the you know the retirement of Pekka Rene, I think that's a huge loss in the locker room. But now I think for UC Soros, it's officially his net, right? Sure. I mean, he was fantastic last year. He gets the extension, uh, you know, five mil for the next four years is going to be good for him. Uh, they're going to be set in goal, obviously. What they do in the backup position, maybe David Riddich comes in and has sort of a rejuvenation. Yeah, he's. I mean, Riddich is. I I think we know what Riddich is, right? Like he's right. like a nine hundred somewhere. I mean, I know he four games with the Leafs, he wasn't great, but other than that, he's he's basically like a nine oh five, maybe a little bit better in terms of save percentage. It is really funny his like one one playoff appearance in the NHL. Uh, I think he only played like for a period, but his goals against average is 9.99 because <laughs> he only played one game and his save percentage is six, six, seven. So yeah. uh, hopefully the predators don't have to use him in the playoffs. If that's any indication. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, predators bring in Philippe Meyer, uh, who, you know, he's, he's coming over from Philadelphia. I think he was, he was in that, uh, Cody Glass trade as well. And I mean, he's likely going to play in that top four along with uh, Roman Yossi, Ekholm, and like a Dante Frabro. So it'll be interesting to see what they can kind of piece together because they don't have a lot of depth defensively, something we're not used to saying with the Predators. And, you know, I, I just, I don't see how this year produces much in terms of just a, a really good team. I just don't see it happening uh, unless, you know, maybe an Ely Tolvin and really picks it up and goes ham and, and becomes what we thought. If Matt Duchesne has a, a year where he's able to come in and, and really prove that he's worth that $8 million a year. I mean, what, what do we need to see from Matt Duchesne? Like a, he had, he had 13 points in 34 games, which is, you know, basically good for like a 30 point season at $8 million uh, I'm, I'm maybe he can pull off a 50 point, 55 point season and, and you'd be happy. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you. I, I think ideally they would like to see him get 50 points. Ideally they would like to see Ryan Johansson get back to maybe 70 points too. But, um, I'm doubtful for both of these guys just because the way the system is set up the way, um, you know, they lose Victor Arvidsson, they lose, 
Ryan Ellis. They lose all these offensive cogs on their team. And I think it's really going to hurt them in the long run. I mean, obviously, it's going to hurt them in the short run. (laughs) Well, yeah, absolutely. But I think long term, right? Because you have these, you know, again, we we talked about it. It's not officially a rebuild on paper, but I think they're they're slowly moving guys out. And obviously, they've got these two contracts here that are going to be, you know, difficult to move. And so they're going to be stuck with them. And now you've got Philip Forsberg, who's going to be a UFA, and he can essentially leave town after this year if he thinks that Nashville's not going anywhere if they do any worse than they did last year I mean it'll be easy for him to say okay well um you know what uh I don't like the way this team's going everybody's getting old I mean you've got Roman Yossi getting past 30 Eckholm's past 30 and he's going to need an extension too so they could lose him for nothing well I gotta think Eckholm is is going Eckholm is is gonna be I mean last year at the deadline everyone thought he'd go and uh, now I mean there, there's no way that Ekholm finishes the season as a predator. I don't think. I don't think Forsberg well, will either. I don't think so either. Because look, if you if you look at what, you know, okay, they lose Ryan Ellis, they lose, you know, they lose potentially, you know, a Philip Forsberg too on top of Ekholm this year. I mean, that would be detrimental to this team. And eventually, and then you would have to officially say, okay, well, we've got to start a rebuild here at this point. Because listen, Forsberg can go out and say, I mean to. Nashville, what Kaprizov means to Minnesota right now in terms of just that offensive firepower, that spark that that team has, and he's basically it between him and Roman Yossi. And so Forsberg could easily command nine million dollars from Nashville. I don't know about. I'm on nine. I don't know. Well, he doesn't I, score the same amount Duchesne, of goals, right? Like he. If you have Duchesne and Johansson getting eight million bucks, he, Forsberg can easily make the argument. I deserve nine million dollars. That's true. I I don't know. Would you pay nine million a year for Philip Forsberg? I mean, if you're Nashville, you really can't afford to lose him. That because that's the problem, right? You got a guy who put up 32 points. If you want to win, yeah. If you want to, if you're, if you still want to try to win now, I agree. Yeah, you got to try and re-sign him. But what could you get for him? You could probably get first round pick prospect and a roster player or something. But it's, uh, yeah. I mean, there's not a whole lot they can do. I mean, they need to hope that a lot of players have bounce back years, and they might like. This Predators team sort of reminds me of the Calgary Flames a little bit. Like, you look at their team and you go, eh, they could all have a bounce back year and they could be great. I mean, Roman Yossi can win the Norris Trophy. Saros could be in the Vesna conversation and suddenly this is a team that's in the playoffs. But they could also finish a dead last in the division. They really could. They they, they could they could be in the playoffs. Could. They could finish dead last. This is This is the most... Un, like in from what I can see, I don't know that there's a team in the NHL that has a bigger ceiling to basement ratio. Like I don't know where they're going to go. I don't know what they're going to do or what they're going to look like. I, it's my hunch is that this team's got it. They're pretty middling, and if they're you know ten points out of the playoffs come deadline time, then Forsberg and Ekholm are gone, and then they really start to fall out. And they finish somewhere where they get a top eight draft pick. That's my prediction in terms of this team. That's where I would lean. Yeah, and maybe that's best for this team, right? Maybe you just keep Cody Glass in the minors. Maybe you don't bring him up at all and you just say, hey, we're kind of tanking because obviously Cody Glass isn't the answer as far as the number one center is concerned. And he's not the answer to say, Forsberg, we're bringing in you know some elite talent here. Uh, we're going to be pretty good here soon. So No, but know, he could come that. up and play a third-line center role and oh, be absolutely. given some responsibility. I don't know if it if it behooves him to play in the AHL again. 
uh, especially after playing, you know, 27 games with Vegas, 39 the year before. Like he's ready for the NHL, and and so I, I would I would be very surprised if he ends up be playing in the minors. Um, but I, I mean, I think that probably your best bet with him is to not play him at center and to put him on the wing, and and then move him to center if you want to. Or move him to center if you end up moving someone out. Because you don't really need him at center. I mean, you've got Duchesne. You've got Ryan Johansson. You have Nick Cousins. You, you've got a lot of guys who can play center. You don't need him to play center. Uh, he can take face-offs on his, on his uh, off wing. You know, like he can, you can put him into situations where he can do well. But I, I think if you just put him on the wing, where the Predators, frankly, are, are pretty weak on the wing, uh, I think that you know maybe he's in a better spot to, to go out and do something. But... We'll see what they do. Yeah. We'll see what they do. Uh, any final thoughts on, on Nashville before we skip off onto the St. Louis Blues? Uh, I guess my one question is besides Forsberg and Eckholm potentially getting moved this year, do you think that the Nashville Predators finally unload either Duchesne or Johansson's contracts at all? No. Okay. No. Uh, I, I don't I don't see it. I mean, I when it comes to Johansson, I think he's – you know he's he's kind of right in that like he's a forty point player maybe forty five and maybe in a good year he could be a fifty point guy if he can put up enough helpers that then that's really the problem is that he's not much of a goal scorer he's like I'm gonna score fourteen goals <laughs> he scored fourteen <laughs> goals three different times in the last four years not counting last year where he had seven but uh, I I don't see it and Matt Duchesne I just don't. I don't think that there's the same kind of desire for Matt Duchesne anymore. He's really kind of fallen off the map. Six goals in 34 games. I mean, you're looking at a guy who's who's going to score you 12 goals, maybe 15 goals, and he's really not doing much from a from a helper standpoint. Uh, he's not great with in terms of pushing possession. Matt Duchesne, largely a, a bust for the Predators. I mean, just a you know, David Poyle, you can talk all you want. Like, oh, he's, you know, he wants to not rebuild. And he wants to go at this. I mean, he he put all his eggs in a Duchesne Johansson basket. And that was foolish. And he's paying for it. Like, it's the reason why he is never going to win a Stanley Cup now, sadly. Uh, one of the best general managers ever. I don't think he's ever won a cup, right? Nope. Best, maybe the best general manager in the history of the league without a Stanley Cup. Like he could still, he'll probably be in the Hockey Hall of Fame, even though he's never won a Stanley Cup. But any tragic Nashville Predators uh, most surprising player? Who do you got? Ooh, um, is there anyone on there that the, like you think could blow you away? Yeah, I think we might be surprised by Dante Fabro this year. Um, I think now with Ryan Ellis gone, I think Fabro is is poised to take some big minutes here and uh, really see what he can bring to the table. Okay, Dante Fabro, I'm going Ely Tolvanen. You know, 22 points in 40 games last year, 11 goals. I think that he can he could potentially put up 25 plus goals and put up 50 points, which would be huge for the Preds. So, and uh, at 1.4 million dollars. <laughs> Yeah, for the next three years, <laughs> which would yeah. be would be great for them if they if they could pull that off because they need someone to step it up that's not making a lot of money because God knows the people making a lot of money aren't going to do it. Okay, St. <laughs> Louis Blues uh, adding a couple 
Significant players, Pavel Buchnevich and Brendan Saad to the St. Louis Blues, but they lose Sammy Blaze. A big hurt, Jaden Schwartz goes to Seattle, and Mike Hoffman heads over to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, but despite a couple nice nice additions, uh, hurtful subtractions, there's one player who I think everyone's going to be focused on, and that is Tarasenko. Is he going to get traded before training camp? It doesn't look like it. it looks like he's going to start the year with the Blues, which is shocking. And uh, what's going to happen with this saga of Tarasenko? Like a guy that doesn't clearly doesn't want to be there is going to be forced into playing. What does this year look like for Tarasenko and the Blues? Yeah, I think he's probably going to have a sit down and listen. I think management Doug Armstrong Barube is going to say, "Hey, you know what? Go out there." play your butt off and basically show us that you're still that point per game, that elite goal scorer that every team in this league wants. And if you can do that for us, if you can produce, there's going to be a line of suitors around the door and we'll be able to trade you that much easier. And I think, you know, obviously St. Louis doesn't want him to go. I'm not sure what the relationship's like. I'm not going to, you know, speculate and say that, Oh, you know what? There's it's mendable or it's completely broken. There's no repairing it at this point. And so um, I think the, the smart thing to do for both parties would be for him to go out and play play his butt off and play really, really well. So one, more teams will be willing to take on this contract. And two, St. Louis can get more out of him. Yeah, I mean, I if he plays really well, I don't think they're going to trade him. <laughs> well, no, they don't want to trade him, but eventually he might get to a point where he says, you know what? When am I going to get traded? If you don't start this process soon, I'm just going to start half-assing it. I mean, I don't think any hockey player would come right out and say that. But, but what happens you know, if the might... St. Louis Blues are in first place in the Central or second place in the Central? You think he's going to want to leave? You think well, that, like, maybe, maybe you know, you never, you just, winning cures a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely does. And you know what? It might, the atmosphere might be part of the problem, right? That's why Ryan O'Reilly left Buffalo. So maybe. I, I mean, I doubt that's the case here in St. Louis, but maybe he's just not enjoying himself and winning, like you said, typically cures that. So now he's having fun. He's enjoying his time with his teammates. And maybe he says, you know what? Cool. I'll wait it out this year. We're doing very well. Let's see where this goes. Uh, because, you know, again, this team, if they get in the playoffs, you never know what could happen with this team. So they could potentially make another run. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they've, they've filled in their locker. Like I like Kyle Clifford coming in there. I like that they were able to bring back Tyler Bozak on a like a, basically a league minimum deal. Uh, you gotta like that, despite losing losing Jaden Schwartz. You know that they were able to kind of patch it together, bring in Buchnevich and Saad, which I I think that this team has been weak on on the wing without Tarasenko. So you know if Tarasenko isn't at full health which who knows how that shoulder is. Uh, I like that they've kind of shored up the wings as well. Robert Thomas signing a, a good, nice bridge deal, 2.8 million a year for the next two years. That's a fantastic deal. I think it's a good deal for Robert Thomas who kind of had a, I guess a, a down year last year. Uh, but if he can get back to, you know, a couple years ago where he put up 42 points in 66 games, I mean, that's a 50 point season. If he can put that up over those two years, uh, he would certainly get paid, but that two point eight million would look great, uh, and that I think is what the Blues need. They need somebody who is again a lot like Nashville, like just down the lineup to really produce somebody who's not making a lot of money. That, and of course, we can jump over to the defensive side of things and 
you know, you don't have to look further than the two latest additions in Justin Falk and Tori Krug. These two guys need to need to be the players that they thought they were bringing in, right? Yeah, and you know what? I like both of their games. They're phenomenal to me. I still, Tory Krug, I thought was very, very good for St. Louis last year. I think, you know, maybe he can produce a little bit more, uh, but maybe that's part of getting comfortable in with the team. But, uh, you know, Falk, I would like to see a little bit more out of him as far as offensive production. But, um, again, I think if between, you know, those two guys, uh, Perenko and Scandella, I think they've got a solid top four here that can compete with just about any team in the league. And, um, you know what, they're obviously all right there in that 28 to 31 year old window. And so I think they still, they're still in the good years, right? So, um, they're not on the wrong side of 30 yet. And so I think they've, they've got a solid decor back there and with the little added grid up front and if Jordan Bingington can keep up some, some decent numbers here, I think they've got a really good chance of, you know, being a good defensive team this year again. Yeah. And when you, you know, you look at Jordan Bennington, he really, he did have his statistically speaking, his worst year as a St. Louis blue. I mean, uh, that nine one Oh save percentage, which is still fine, but, uh, we're used to seeing a little bit better out of him. And I mean, really the biggest question mark is going to be, can he do it in the playoffs again? I mean, so good in eighteen nineteen when they won the cup. And since then has not been very good in the playoffs. So, you know, pressure getting hit to him or just the team has kind of changed in front of him. Uh, no more Petrangelo in front of you. That, that hurts. Uh, but this blues team, I think when I look at their roster up and down, if they can get average goaltending, they're a playoff team, especially adding Tarasenko. And I, I think that Saad and Bushnevich can make up for the loss of Jaden Schwartz and Mike Hoffman. I, I yeah, don't. I agree. M- Mike Hoffman, he can score goals, but I don't think he does a whole much, whole lot else. Uh, there's not a whole lot to his game besides you know going out there on the power play and and putting up goals. Uh, he's he's decent, but I think that you you're going to get more uh, from a full hockey standpoint from Brendan Saad and, and Bushnevich, and uh, I you know I. I I hope that the Blues, you know, I hope that Bujnevich, I mean, if he can put up the numbers that he was putting up last year, which is, he was basically on pace for like a 75-point season. And if he can do that, then the Blues are in great shape. Great yeah. shape. Uh, now, the big question for me is, at what point do we see David Perron starting to slow down? Because at 33, I mean, he's still young enough and still fast enough he can produce. But, I mean, is he going to start slowing? I, I, I mean, I never saw this coming out of this guy a few years ago. And he's just been stellar since, I mean, you know, again, he had that one year in Vegas and I thought, okay, is this just an anomaly? And then he goes back to St. Louis and I figure, okay, cool. You know what? He's not around the same team, the same people. He's going to fall off the the wagon and he, he just keeps it up right now. Is he the ageless wonder right now? Yeah. I mean, what? Uh, 17, 18, the year that he was with Vegas where he put up 66 points. His best season before that was five years earlier when he put up 57 points. Uh, he's basically put up you know if he were to have played a full season he would have put up more than 60 points every single year and last year for the first time he's more than a point per game player like it's like he just keeps getting better (laughs) which is which is crazy um yeah he's kind of he he's really been a a bright spot for the st louis blues and uh, i think that if you can get the same production 
You know, th- this team really could be, they could win this division. I mean, as good as Colorado is and as, as healthy as the stars appear to be coming into this season and, you know, we'll get to the jets, but as good as some of uh, maybe the additions that the jets made look on them, this St. Louis blues team could be the best team still in this division. Uh, so, but at the same time, you know, if, if certain players, i.e. like if Tarasenko, if this, if this just goes totally sideways, it could train wreck the whole year. You know, it, it, all it takes is the first 15 games for it to be weird and to lose a bunch of games. He's unhappy. The team's unhappy that he's there. You can't get rid of him. And there's this tons of drama. Like that's the worst case scenario. Best case though, everyone kind of meshes together. They find their way. Ryan O'Reilly convinces Tarasenko to stick around and the Blues go into the playoffs, one of the top three teams in the Central. Which, yeah, and uh, maybe, you know, again, Pavel Busnevich to me, is the X factor of this team because, one, yes, let's look at the production he had in New York and coming over for a second-round pick and a prospect for Sammy Bias. I think, you know, again, he could fill in really, really good as far as that lost production from losing Hoffman, etc. But on the flip side... The X factor to me is the fact that he is also Russian and Russian guys love being around other Russian players, you know, especially big name guys. Right. So, um, you know, again, Tarasenko being a Russian, maybe him and Bushnevich hit it off. They they form some sort of bond. Maybe they play in the same line together. They get some good chemistry. And now it's like all of a sudden, well, shoot, you, know no, you don't want to leave. I like being around. Yeah, I don't want to leave now. I like this guy. I want to stay around. So. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I also like the two players that they've signed to PTOs, Michael Froelich and James Neal. Uh, you know, if you can, uh, if you like what you're seeing from like a James Neal, who, you know, say what you want. I mean, he can put him in the right situation. I think that he could probably still score you 15 goals, um, even on, like on the fourth line. I think that he, you put the right people around him, and I think that he can be a decently productive player. I mean. You know, 10 points in 29 games over the course of a full season. That's almost a 30-point season for uh, for James Neal. So I think that he has potential still to be effective in the bottom six. And uh, you never know, you never know with, with a guy who has hands like James Neal. Yeah, and especially once it comes down to crunch time towards the end of the year when you're rotating on guys to give guys rest, he would be a great guy to have, you know, as like your 13th forward to just say, hey, let's rotate him in every you know, three or four games and give guys some rest. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's, uh, let's slide on over to the Winnipeg Jets, our last team in the central division. Uh, the Jets, really the one player who leaves the Jets, Matthew Perot, uh, leaves for greener pastures, goes to Montreal. And, uh, however, they very much shore up their D Uh, after, you know, kind of two years of losing, you know, you lose Jacob Truba, you lose Dustin Bufflin, and they haven't been able to do a whole lot to improve their D. And they definitely do that this offseason. They trade for Brendan Dillon. They get Nate Schmidt. And suddenly this defense looks like they could hold their own uh, against the other teams in the Central. Maybe not the best D in the in the Central division. That's, probably, that's the Central's strength is their D. And uh, th- but at least they can compete. You know they're not going to get left behind in the central anymore uh, with their D with Morrissey, Schmidt, Pionk, Dylan, Demello making up. You know four of your top five or five of your top four. You can kind of slot a couple of those guys in where you want. But I I like what I see from them now with those two additions. 
Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I think Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon are going to bring a little bit of grit, a little bit of defensive game to this back end where guys like Neil Pionk and Josh Morrissey can really excel from an offensive standpoint now, right? So Neil Pionk, to me, has been one of the most underrated defensemen in recent years. I mean, he's been looking very, very good for uh, Winnipeg. And you know, and now he's he's got guys that can support him so he can produce, so he can be effective and maybe even more effective than maybe what he was last year. So to me, that's again, I like this defense now. It looks a little bit better. I don't look at it and say, uh, you know, cringing my teeth. I can say confidently that, okay, cool, we've got something – there's there's a defense that this team can work with and really help out a guy like Connor Halibut, who to me has just been you know their MVP for the last couple of years. Uh, yes, absolutely. He's like, I feel like Connor Halibut is your claim to fame. Like you were telling me about <laughs> Connor Halibut before he even played a game in the AHL. Like, <laughs> you, you were you were all about Connor Halibut. Um, yes, does he return to the nine twenty plus save percentage because? If he does, uh, this team's going to be in phenomenal shape. Like, yeah, if he can have an I, even better year, you know, where he's, I, I think that he's still in a position where he could potentially be a Vesna Trophy candidate, and it's it's really going to depend more so, you know, what can they get from the backup position because Brassois leaves Winnipeg, and they've got Eric Comrie, who is considered their backup goalie right now. He He's only played six games, uh, five games in the last three years in the NHL. Uh, I mean, he's played no more than three games in any given season. Uh, he was on Winnipeg for three years, then Detroit, then New Jersey, and now he's back in Winnipeg. You know that that's what worries me is you know can they get the kind of production they need from the backup goalie? Because Connor Hellebuck, he's not going to play seventy games. <laughs> he might have to play sixty. <laughs> 65 but I mean the most he's played he played 67 in 2017-18 uh, you know I guess he played 45 last year out of four, out of 56 so that probably puts him somewhere in the 65 60 to 65 game range but that means that you know for about 20 games you need to rely on someone who's very unproven like are they going to do something do you think that, that they're going to go into the regular season with Eric Comrie as their goaltender or is there some other solution here that we're we're yeah. missing. You know what? I, I honestly think that they're going to ride those two guys because really this team's in a cap crunch right now and they really can't afford to go out and try to make a trade or bring somebody in. I think, you know, maybe they can look at the free agent goaltending pool and really the only name that stands out to me is maybe a Devin Dubnik, right? You could bring him in as a backup. Sure. Uh, and I'm sure you can bring him in as, at a league minimum, which would, again, basically be that Eric Comrie contract and then you can put him you know, send him down a waivers and, you know, what, I mean, what if he gets claimed, you know, uh, that's just a problem, obviously you deal with, but at that point, I think you're not going out and getting Devin Dubnik unless Eric Comrie isn't just cutting it as a backup. And then at that point, no one's going to claim him anyway. So, um, to me, that's really the only solution for this team. If not, I think, you know, you're definitely going to see Connor Alaba pushing between, you know, an easy 65 games, I think this year. Yeah, it's a lot of games. And, uh, and maybe the reason why, you know, come playoff time, he was great this last year. Uh, there's been a couple times, well, I guess the year before he was just not good. But, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, I I think he can certainly handle the amount of games. But also, you know, 28 years old, going to turn 29. And at, at what point 
do all playing more than 60 games a year, at what point does that catch up to you? You know, we don't see too many guys who can do it for that long, like five, six, seven, eight years. At what point does it catch up to you? That That's, you know, maybe some of the question, maybe having a shortened season last year helped them. <laughs> might, might be a good thing. The other, the other question I have is, you know, Winnipeg is in this place now where I think you're, you're looking at them and you want them to win, right? Like, this core doesn't have that much time left. You know, Blake Wheeler's 35. Mark Shifley's 28. Uh, it's Paul Stastny, you're bringing him in. He's 35. Some of your upper-level guys are going to start to age themselves out. Like, how long can Blake Wheeler continue to be effective? Uh, you know, he, he still he puts up almost a point per game. He's fantastic, but usually you like now we're over 35 like he might have another good year but is he going to have a point per game season at 36 at 37 like we're starting to get there so this these seasons have to be considered incredibly valuable and important to win for the jets so kevin Cheveldayoff has been the gm forever and paul maurice has been the head coach forever like i i think he's been the coach there since they became a team right yep so and the same same GM. So that's uh, you know at what point do we start to go? You know when do these guys actually are they going to be held accountable for what they've done? No, I guess no. Winnipeg had one coach before Paul Maurice. I don't remember who it right. was, but yeah. But I mean, listen, I think Paul Maurice is definitely on the hot seat. He's been there for a while. Expectations have been you know. Uh, Stanley Cup final or bust really for this team because they've been good enough on paper to compete. Obviously, I think last year you kind of saw them get exposed with Shifley getting suspended. Um, you know, obviously Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think to me, is going to be the biggest question mark this year because if he can get back to that 55, 60-point production, you know, pace he had in Columbus being their number one guy, and obviously he's going to be slotted in at their number two spot. If they can get that 50 to 60-point production out of him, at that number two spot, I think this team will do all right. Um, but, you know, again, he's an RFA, he's in a contract year, so I think he's he's definitely going to be playing for a long-term contract because, again, like you talked about, it, guys like Blake Wheeler, um, you know, they, they've got to reload somehow, and I think, you know, you hope that Pierre-Luc Dubois is that answer right. for that second-line center spot that they've been drastically missing for forever, basically. Yeah, as and Paul Stastny just isn't cutting it at the second-line center so much. Like, he's... He he can do it, but you need someone else producing around him. I think like right. He yeah. Uh, Pierre Luc Dubois, he's only twenty three, so there's certainly time for him to turn this around. And uh, you know you got to think. Last year was a really weird year, not like not only with COVID, but also the fact that you know things are weird in Columbus in the start of the year, and then he gets dealt, and then you have to go into quarantine, and then you you know it just everything was weird. Uh, and I think this year will be better for him. Uh, I The way that he played in the playoffs two years ago in the bubble against Toronto when they when Columbus beat, beat Toronto, I mean, I think that that's the Pierre-Luc Dubois that everyone wants to see. Everyone knows it's in there somewhere. Like, it's not yep. like he's, he's aged out. You know, that's in there somewhere. And so can he get comfortable enough to play that way again? Because he could be one of the top two-way forwards in the NHL if he finds himself. Uh, but if not, then he is nothing more than like a a really fast 35-point, 40-point player, you know, who at, at 5 million bucks is eh, a little expensive. 
<laughs> but <laughs> but if he can but if he can go and and put up 50 50 point 55 points from the center position and be a potential number 1 center especially if Shifley goes down you know then you're in a much better position and uh you know Mark Mark Shifley has had some bad luck in the playoffs the last two years. <laughs> Hasn't been able to finish the playoffs either year. So uh, that certainly may be a reason why the, the Jets haven't been able to find themselves out of the first round since 2017-18. And uh, this year, with the Central being pretty open outside of maybe Colorado, uh, I think that this has you know, got to be a year that Winnipeg pushes the pace and, and tries to really advance through uh, through the playoffs here too. But I, I do have a question about Hellebuck. I want to give you an over-under. My over-under is 68 games. What do you think? Over or under Ooh. for Hellebuck? 68 games played. Ooh. Jeez, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to say I'm going to take the even on this one. You're going to say 68 games dead on. Yep. That's where I'm going. I All think right. it's dead on. Damn it. I should have said 67 and a half. <laughs> so if I say 67 and a half, you're going over. I'll take the over. Yep. Let's go. All Let's right. take the over. Okay. All right. 67 and a half. Uh, anything else you want to hit on the Winnipeg Jets before we uh, give our Central Division playoff predictions? No, let's let's jump into it. Okay. Uh, I want you to tell me who you think is going to be dead last in the Central. All right. Dead last. Easy pick, I think. That's the Arizona, Arizona Coyotes. Coyotes. Okay, we're there. We're on the same page. Number eight, Arizona Coyotes. Number seven. I'm going Nashville Predators. Okay, going Nashville. I I have to agree. I don't, you know, well, what I said in the preview, that I just don't see them being the team that in the end makes the playoffs, and I think that they'll sell off, and that'll drop them a little bit. Uh, yep. Okay. I feel like once you get rid of those two teams – it it really becomes harder to make a good <laughs> a good prediction here. But who do you have at number six? Yeah, it's really a crapshoot at that point, right? You could roll the dice and pick any one of these teams. Um, you know what? Honestly, I'm going to throw it out there. This is going to be crazy. I don't think it'll happen, but I like the idea of this possibility uh, just because I hate the contract. I'm going to say Minnesota finishes sixth. Minnesota. You so you think Kaprizov is going to take a step backwards? Yeah, I don't think he plays as as good as he does. Um, I think you know a lot of guys. Uh, obviously, Joel Eriksson-Ekholm is in a number one center, and so um, you know Marco Rossi. I don't think he's ready for the show yet. So I think maybe this team takes a slight step back to where they were last year. And uh, you know, hey, let's let's see them in sixth place. Now I still think they're going to be right there on the bubble as far as maybe a point or two back from a fourth place, but. It's going to be close, I think, the whole way. Yeah, this whole division's probably going to be decently close. Uh, I'm going with the Dallas Stars in my sixth spot. Okay. I don't think that Pavelski, Radulov, uh, J- uh, Jamie Ben. I don't think that they're... I think they're going to t- all take steps backwards. And as good as Sagan may be, uh, I, I think that those steps backwards are, go- are going to hurt the Stars. And I, I don't think Braden Holtby is Braden Holtby. Ryan Suter is not going to be the the minute muncher that he has been in the past. And uh, losing Jamie Alexiak is going to hurt more than people expect. Okay. Although Ty Delandria will have a nice rookie season for the Stars. But, uh, okay, so
So they're my sixth. I'm going to put the Minnesota Wild at five. Okay. Where I'm going to throw them. Uh, I'll swap which, you then. I'm going to take Dallas. Okay, which five. doesn't necessarily mean, like, I think probably five teams from this division make the playoffs. So I think Minnesota's probably still a playoff team. But, uh, but I, I, yeah, I think they'll, they'll be five. They'll be right on the, right on the edge of glory here in the playoffs. But okay, so you'll, you'll put the Dallas Stars in at five. Yep. All right. Now, who is, who are your, you know, who's your number four? Well, I'll tell you my number, number four. Okay. Go for ahead. For you. Uh, I am going to have to go with the St. Louis Blues at number four. I yep. think the beginning I, of the year is going to be weird with Tarasenko. <laughs> And we're going to need to figure that out. Whether he stays or goes, things are going to need to be sorted. And I also think they're bringing in quite a few new top six players. That also can take time to sort things out. Yep, I absolutely agree with you. They're my pick there as well. All right, let's go number three. Number three, I'm going to go Winnipeg Jets. Winnipeg Jets, okay. Uh, yeah, I... Okay, Winnipeg Jets. I. You're putting Chicago... You're like banking on a Marc-Andre Fleury resurgence here or another Vesna yeah. trophy. Eh? I do. I think flurry and Seth Jones are going to completely change that back end. I think there's going to be a new attitude there. I think Jonathan Taves coming back, you know, we don't know when, but I think eventually he'll be back sometime this year. And I think with the growth of some of those younger players in Chicago with that back end addition, I think it's just going to be just a resurgence as far as Chicago's concerned. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go Winnipeg at three or I'm sorry, Chicago at three Winnipeg at two. And then, okay. and then I think both our number ones are the uh, Colorado Avalanche. That's correct. Tough not to put the Avalanche in number one. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, there's obviously there are things that you know you could look at Colorado and you could say losing a guy, the you know, depth like yeah, the goaltender obviously right, Brandon Sod not being there to provide some depth in that middle six. Uh, you know, Nazem Kadri, who knows if he's gonna you know last the whole entire year. Same with oh, he always lasts the regular season. It's the playoffs <laughs> that he can't keep his hands off people. Yeah, I'll give you that. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows? And uh, again, you know, are we still going to see, you know, the same type of, you know, production out of that back end that was just so good last year? Um, I don't, well, I, I think, don't have a, a doubt that they're going to be just as good as last year, but uh, you know, obviously I think, you know, Darcy Kemper coming in, is he going to be able to produce just like Grubauer did? Who knows? So yes, but, and Kale again, McCarr is going to be up for the Norse. That's how nasty he's going to be this year. He's he might put up love it. He might put up eighty points. I, like, that, he might be more be than a point guy, per game maybe. player. It'll be it'll be pretty fun to watch. Yeah, since Carlson, there we go. I yes, would love it. Yes. Uh, now the crazy thing about this division is that outside of Colorado being one, which I think is. Uh, I'll never, I'll never again say that anything is a lock. So <laughs> <Because laughs> like about the Flyers, and that didn't work out. Uh, I think you could see a scenario: Arizona last, Colorado first. Any one of the teams in between could slot anywhere from two to seven. Like in, nothing would surprise me if Nashville finished third. I it wouldn't surprise me if they finish. And maybe not last, but second to last to, get to Arizona, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, Winnipeg, I could see a scenario where they really struggle, and they they just can't find their offense, and they you know they falter and they they end up 
dropping way down in this division. Maybe not, maybe not as far as seven, but uh, you know, if a couple of these a couple of things go wrong, things could go really strange in this division. But yeah, I, th- I think I mean, we're going to see some some pretty good teams in the Central. Well, look, you talk about the Jets, right? Things going wrong. All they need is Hollabuck to get injured, right? And he's gone for the year, and this team is, is yeah gone. See ya. They Although, how many point, how many teams but. could go at their number one goalie? getting out for the year early on and not really like, and have a hard time. Most teams will have a hard time, right? Um, but very few teams have basically banked their entire season on, on one player, the way that Winnipeg has banked it on Connor Hellebuck. I, I will give you that. That is very true. Well, that's the central division. Let us know what you think. You can find us on Twitter at at OT hockey talk as well on Instagram. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll jump into the metropolitan division next part one and part two, and then we'll finalize it with a, a fun in-person show for the full Atlantic division. Justin, good job on the central and, and to you as well, sir. All right. And I'll uh, talk to you soon.